0: You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio.
1: Dan Patrick. Dan Patrick. So sports may be hard to come by at the moment. Nothing's
0: permanent. I'm not saying it's permanent. But The Dan Patrick Show is impossible to miss. From our podcast to YouTube to the iHeartRadio app. Listen any way you want, anytime, anywhere. (coughs) Get away from me. Probably at your house. I'm just going to make some assumptions. Patrick. Welcome to the Dan Patrick Show. Truly amazing. Just a week away from the NFL draft. Extremely confident. Nobody brings you bigger guests or better experts. Dan Orlovsky, football analyst, former NFL
1: quarterback. Think of all the quarterbacks that we've talked about in the draft in the last 15, 20 years, that when the first two or three things out of people's mouth are, he's big, he's strong. More often than not, those cats have failed because that stuff doesn't matter. It should be the other way, the mental. And so that's what concerns me about Justin Herbert. is like no one's going, man, he's got great instincts. Or gosh, his accuracy is ridiculous. Or he's just got this ability to make all these different kinds of throws. Those are all the things that people talk about or like that I talk about that he struggles with. Broadcasting from the Mercedes Man Cave. And the Danettes homes. This is Dan Patrick.
0: Final hour on this Friday, Traeger Meat Friday. We will crown our Meat Madness champ. That'll be in about a half hour. Voting will close, and we'll hand out a Traeger grill. You can still vote if you like. Go to to, uh, the website, danpatrick.com. While you're there, check out the uh, T-shirts. We have the Tampa Bay T-shirts. Still going hot and heavy there. And we haven't received a cease and desist yet from uh, Tom Brady, but maybe that's fourth. hopefully. That's uh, forthcoming. We don't check our mail around here. That's the problem. I got to get Dylan, who does the graphics for the TV portion of the program... I got to get him to go to the post office here and check and see if we got a cease and desist. One of the, I have a couple of things that are pretty cool. I have a, a letter that Commissioner Stern sent to Mark Cuban where he got fined. And I said to Cuban, you've been fined so many times. Can I have one of those letters? And then I framed it and put it in my office here in the man cave. That's pretty good. But a cease and desist from Tom Brady with the Tampa Bay T-shirts, that would be great. And maybe an autograph picture. A cease and desist and an autograph picture, and then we'll consider that. But uh, welcome to the program. A final hour here. Coming up, we'll talk to the PJ Commissioner, Jay Monahan. Golf's coming back. Golf's coming back in June, at least first week in June, and that's what they're, at least that's the time frame. I don't think fans are going to be out there. All of these different scenarios have to do with fans not being in attendance. And there's a variety of scenarios. Let me run something by you. Now, this isn't going to happen. But these are things that are being explored. Baseball was looking at the all-star weekend in Los Angeles. So that's the middle of July to have a season kickoff event. They were going to have two L.A. teams. Cody Bellinger and Mike Trout would pick their all-star teams in a similar fashion to how the NBA does. You're going to have it in L.A., And you're going to let Cody Bellinger and Mike, because you're not going to be able to vote on this as a fan into the all-star game. And they would pick their team for the all-star game. They also were trying to look at the start of the season over the 4th of July weekend with no fans. They're also the scenario that I'm being told is this, the world series was going to be played in Los Angeles in November whether or not the Dodgers were involved. It was going to be at Dodger Stadium. But, you know, California's statement from two days ago saying that large sporting crowds would probably not happen before the end of the year ended the possibility of those scenarios. This hasn't been made public, I don't think. But that these are two scenarios where you have all-star festivities that kick off, and you had Cody Bellinger and Mike Trout were going to pick teams, and that they were going to hold the World Series in Los Angeles at Dodger Stadium, whether the Dodgers were in there or not. McLevin, update the poll results if you can.
2: Okay, I put up that signature food question. I know it's silly, but it's Friday. Of the Danettes and you, who has the best city food? Cheese steaks, number one. Mm. Then Chicago beef sandwiches. And then you and Todd are tied for third. A distant 1% is a New Jersey pork roll. (laughs) That's
0: Seton. Seaton's recommendation, of pork roll. I've been to Jersey a lot. I don't know if I've ever had a pork roll. Oh, man. You don't know what you're missing. You guys lead the league in diners, though, don't you, in Jersey? Yeah, yeah. We got a strong diner culture yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, we have Gold Star and Skyline Chili in Cincinnati and Montgomery in ribs, which is pretty tasty. But I was trying to squeeze in White Castle hamburgers in there, but I found out that I think they originated in Wichita. We did the research there. But we'll take it. The white one is great. Get a suitcase of white counsels Man, Yeah, good stuff. All right, we've been talking about the uh, Bulls documentary, The Last Dance. We had the director on. The fact that they're not even done yet. They got six episodes done. They got two in the red zone, and then two that it feels like they're at the one-yard line as they're finishing this up. And Michael Jordan is still, I guess, involved in the process here. of You know, I... Michael wants this to be great. And once he committed to doing this, I think he wanted to make sure that they were going to present this in the way that he thought was honest and who they were going to interview. But what I and I asked uh, Jason Hare, who is the director of this, I said, who is not going to like how they're portrayed? And he's like, well, you know, I, I'm portraying everybody honestly. I said, who's not going to like this? He said, well, Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we asked for Isaiah to join us. Uh, he was on XM, SiriusXM XM NBA radio on Wednesday. And uh, he had this to say when asked the question of LeBron or Michael Jordan, who's better? And this, I think, on the heels of Bill Lane Beer, Isaiah's teammate, who was asked to pick between LeBron and Michael. But we'll hear from Isaiah Thomas, the NBA Hall of Famer, and then we'll hear from Bill Lane Beer.
1: When it comes to the LeBron and the Jordan debate, I've said that I think LeBron is a is a more complete basketball player all around uh, than, than Jordan was. Jordan was, you know, a dominant scorer and he could score the basketball. But what LeBron James has done in terms of passing, scoring, rebounding, winning, you know, and in terms of just a, a, a all around player. You know, in my opinion, LeBron James is a better all-around player. Now, Michael Jordan is a more devastating scorer. When you talk about, you know, assisting and passing and and getting people involved, as, you know, Lambert said, you know, it, it took Jordan a while to figure out how to do that, how to get his teammates involved, how to make his teammates better. It took him a while to learn how to do that. LeBron James came into the league understanding how to do that. And he's been doing that his whole career.
0: All right. I mean, I said this in the first hour. I I look at LeBron as a more all-around, well-rounded player. But understand this. When we talk about – Isaiah talk about Michael as a great scorer. Michael was also, I believe, Defensive Player of the Year. I'm going to guess he was on first-team All-NBA defense probably 10 years in his career. There's only offense and defense in the NBA. And Mike was great at both ends of the floor. Now, was he a great teammate? Did he make teammates better? We can argue that. Was he a better passer? No. Was he a better rebounder? No. Could LeBron score in more ways than Michael? Yes, in my opinion. Yes. But if I'm winning a title and there's one game, I'm taking Mike. And if you ask Isaiah that, I wonder what his answer would be. Here's Bill Beer, also part of the bad boys. He was on first take, and he had uh, this to say about picking between LeBron and Michael.
1: I'm very vocal. I think LeBron is the best player that's ever played the game. Um, he's six foot eight, 285 pounds, runs like the wind, and jumps out of the gym. And but more importantly, when he came into the league from day one, he knew how to involve his teammates to win. Uh, and that's something that Jordan had to learn for a long time. Now, if you go by championships, obviously, Michael Jordan has more championships. But I think LeBron in any generation would be doing what he's doing right now uh, all these years. And I think he, at the end of the day, I firmly believe that he's the best basketball player in the history of the game.
0: That's fine. I mean, this is what's fun about this. Now, it gets tiring after a while. nobody It's when you argue politics, nobody ever goes, you know, you're right. I'm going to be a Republican. You know what? You're right. I'm going to be a Democrat. Like, it never happens. It's a sport. You go back and forth. And and if you're there with Michael Jordan and you're in the trenches with Mike, you're not changing. You're going to go wire to wire. You're, you're not. You're just going to go, nope, Mike's the greatest of all time. Mike never missed a game-winning shot. No, he did. <laughs> Paulie, you're going to give me examples. Paulie thinks it's actually true. Still waiting for details. On I that. went back and looked at the Seattle Supersonic Series, and Michael didn't play well. I thought Seattle was a better team. You
3: see my head? Just Sorry, turned. Paul. Sorry,
0: you got whiplash there. I think Mike shot 41%. And like, he wasn't great. I thought Sean Kemp at times was the best player on the floor. Uh, but, you know, you, you don't think of Mike not having a great game. LeBron's had some incredible games. Absolutely incredible games. But we only look at what he didn't do. We don't look at what he does. With Mike, we look at what he did not what he didn't do. And that's where it's not fair. I I you know, you, you can you can make an argument if you said who do you have to take, you know, number 1 pick overall? I can take Kareem. And and you have nobody who can stop Kareem. No one. And I can have, you know, young Kareem was a guy who was going 31, 16 and 4, you know, block shots. It's it's a fun argument. It's a fun discussion. But it's not winnable either way. Now, you can say scoreboard with Jordan, A, six titles. Okay. LeBron, to me... But, you know, LeBron learned. Kobe learned. They, they learned from Michael. You know, they watched. It's, and now you're going to have a whole new generation of players learning from Steph Curry. They're, they're not learning from LeBron. You, it, you can't be 6'8", you know, 285 pounds. But you can be 6'3", 180 and do what Steph does in your mind. But you can't go, hey, I'm going to be LeBron. Like, can you play in the backyard? Who goes, hey, I'm LeBron? Yeah, you're not. Hey, I'm I'm Jordan. Well, oh, no, you're not. Hey, I'm Vince Carter. No, you're not. Hey, I'm Steph Curry. Okay. Anybody can fire from three-point range. And now they want you to do that. though. So, It's fun to have this discussion, the documentary, and how we're going to look at Jordan I'm curious about. This is what I'm really interested in. how, What we think of Jordan, when this is all said and done, it's a whole new generation seeing this. And you're going to see it as it was happening in real time. And I don't think you're going to like what you see with Michael Jordan, the personality-wise. But if I'm Michael Jordan, I don't care what you think. I didn't care then. I don't care now, unless he's saying... You know, I'm getting older. I like to have a little softer image. If you think that way, wait till you see him when he has the tablet with Isaiah Thomas talking about him and the Bulls. And he basically wants to kick his butt. Now he wants to do that. It, 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 he's not softening his image. Yeah, point.
3: Do you guys think there could be some of the opposite reaction to the Jordan documentary after seeing how competitive and not friendly he was to uh, even teammates and competition? people are going to say you know this new generation they could use a little bit of that this younger generation of athletes instead of being so friendly and partnering and all this stuff why don't they be more like mike and more uh, more of an assassin and more instead of a, a mar- concerned about marketing and being friendly with each other i could see that direction as well
0: oh, i'm all for it but you know i've been saying that before where long time with you know i don't I, I don't want to be friends with you i can be friends at but not on the court but and that's the way michael was that's the way Bird was. You know, what I mean they Magic and Isaiah were friends, which I didn't like that. You know, you can be friends, but you know, I don't, I don't need that where you kiss him on the cheek before a game. Like you know what, kiss him on a, on the cheek in the tunnel before a game. Like, you "Now, let go out and play. You want to kill him." All right? You're friends? I I would never If you're my friend on the court, you're not my friend. And that's the way Michael approached everything. He couldn't do it nowadays. It's not PC. And that's the shame of this. Like, LeBron is perfect for today. Michael would not be perfect for today. Like, we would marvel at Jordan. We wouldn't love Jordan. Because you'd be like, oh, that guy's a jerk, man. Did you hear he punched Steve? Kerr? Who punches Steve Kerr? I'm like, uh, I don't know. Michael Jordan. <laughs> uh, I asked this to Fritzy. Uh, Things to know about year-end NFL Players Association top 50 players (laughs) sales list. Okay, I don't care at the end of the year. I want to know about Brady in Tampa. Who cares about this list? I need the updated list. Patrick Mahomes moved past Tom Brady into the number one position in the official list of top-selling players from March 1st, 2019 to February 29th, 2020.
4: Okay, I want to know... Kind of an interesting little tidbit. When he's been number one the last couple of
0: years. When did Brady go to Tampa? I understand. Yeah. That, these, n- these
4: numbers are very skewed because yeah, I don't care. Sure it skyrocketed. Him. Now that he's uh, wearing the Bucks jersey.
0: Who doesn't have a Jersey in new England of Brady and <laughs> how many people around the league are buying Patrick Mahomes? Jer- if you, if you're just getting around to buying, buying a Brady Jersey, come on. You know, this, this guy, guy's going to make it. This, this Brady, is, let's get one for the sun. This is stupid. It is. It is. It's stupid. <laughs> stupid. I want to know Brady is going to have the number one jersey this year. I'm guessing that that would be interesting. And now, if if Mahomes was going to have the number one jersey, I'd say, wow. Even with Brady, you know, going to Tampa, because you know, New England fans are buying Tom Brady Buccaneer jerseys. That's what I find interesting as well. All right, uh, Todd's scoreboard is seven and twenty. Every day we have a Todd scoreboard contest where you win some t-shirts. Ryan in New Haven, Connecticut is today's winner. 7 and 20.
4: And the clue is which, which no one got uh, as far as the winner. Lumberjacks, like Walmart, this is Lumberjacks would be a clue for this.
0: 7 20.
2: Mike one involves
0: Go ahead, Mike Schmidt, number 20, 20,
4: 1976, which was the play of the day that uh, four consecutive home run game to come back to beat the Cubs in 10 innings at Wrigley is the second number. Number 20. OK, number seven is at this date in history involving lumberjacks, which kind of sounds like a baseball person.
0: Mickey Mantle.
4: It was New York Yankee. Mickey Mantle's first game on this date in 1951. He went one for four. The Mick, of course, was number seven.
0: All right. Mick so, and Schmidt. All right. Thank you, Todd. Would you stay on that Jersey story for me with uh, Tom Brady? You know, I'm working hard on that. I'm
4: sweating it out. You, you put me on the stand. I felt terrible that I was, I gave you some information, and then you called me to explain it. And I was <laughs> ill prepared to give you any information <laughs> other than forwarding you a story from variety.
0: You know, what's great though. You admit You finally admitted that you were ill-prepared for that. Where Which I hate to do. I just wanted you to, I didn't I didn't know why you said it to me, because I said, there's no news here.
4: And I certainly didn't know why you were going to put me on the spot there, and then Seton trying to bail me out by <laughs> joining you and saying, tell me, who ordered the Code
1: Red? With this- Answer <laughs> the question, Todd. <laughs>
0: I ordered the Code Red! <laughs> yes, Seaton. Should have just thrown Mario under the bus oh, like you normally would doing. All else fails, <laughs> throw <laughs> Mario under the bus. Uh, Just got this career stats uh, for uh, steals per game. Michael Jordan 2.35 LeBron 1.60. I don't know how many times Mike was first team all NBA defense, but I'm going to guess he probably had a good decade run there. And I think he was defensive player of the year as well. But it's fun, fun to discuss. Robin Ohio joins us. Hey, Rob, what do you have for me today?
5: Hey, Dan, a uh, long time. First time I'm listening to you from back in the uh, Rob Dibble days. But uh, I, I just had a question. I, I think that when we're talking about Jordan and uh, and LeBron, nobody ever talks about the level of defense I was playing. I mean, because if you think about the NBA in the 80s and the 90s, that was a a, a rough era. I mean, so how would today's players, could they hold up to that? I mean, when you're going against uh, Barkley and Charles Oakley and Patrick Ewing, and there was a lot of elbows and whatnot thrown back in those
0: days. Yeah, yeah. There's there's guys who wouldn't be if guys were from this era played back then or had a sampling of that. They'd be like, hey, what? Are, hey, what are you doing? Hey, that's mean. That hurts. Hey, call foul on him. There was so much that went on back then. Uh, it, it wasn't great basketball from the standpoint of you were allowed to beat up the star players, and you know they they created the Jordan rules the Pistons were going to put Mike on his back. And back then, you know, we didn't have flagrant ones and twos. And, you know, you had playoff fouls. You had regular season fouls. It, it was different. And if you can't hand check, and I'll go back to when Phil Jackson put out his, his book. And uh, I, I said, how would Jordan do in today's game? And he said, you know, he'd average, I think he said 40 or 45 points a game. You couldn't put your hands on him. Uh, Jordan, all uh, first-team all-defense, nine times in his career. LeBron James, six times, uh, f- uh, five on the first team, and one second team. Although he, he became a lazy defender last year. Um, but he does have that ability, obviously, to make big plays. We've seen them. All right, we'll take a break. The commissioner of the PJ Tour, Jay Monahan, will join us coming up. His thoughts on... You know, they played that opening round of the Players Championship, and that was always a, that was kind of strange because you thought, boy, they're going to be able to pull this off because you had fans there. You have a lot of fans there in Florida for that event, and they played that first round, and then that was it. I was curious what went into that decision, and now you have the PJ Championship. You know, that's back on the board. You have uh, the U.S. Open, but you're going to have a, a you know a golf tournament in uh, Texas. Dallas Fort Worth, the Colonial. That's going to be the first week in June. Feels aggressive. Are you going to have fans? Uh, you're going to have robotic cameras. Like what? What exactly can you do? What's different about golf coming up? Uh, I said to Bubba Watson yesterday, "Why don't you guys carry your own bag?" <laughs> I think that'd be fun because you get that big bag. But if you have to carry your own bag, you'll get one of those real small travel bags. That big bag. Nobody, nobody. Like the bags I have over here, the the staff bag that I have. You don't go to that the golf course unless you're Rodney Dangerfield in uh, uh, what uh, Shack. Yeah, Paul.
3: Callaway was nice enough to give us staff bag years ago, and and I went up to uh, Vermont. I was playing golf with some friends. I'm, you know what I am. I am a C minus at best as a golfer, and that's probably being kind. I walk in with this brand-new Callaway staff bag. Not good. I think the tag was still on it. Not good. It's just a total poser. Not good.
0: Yeah, been there. Not good. <laughs> I look cool. And, and yep. you know, you had Dan Patrick's show logo on the bag. and uh, The clubs saw the stickers on them, yeah. just unwrapping yeah. them right there. The, the plastic wrap was yeah. still on the face of the club. All right, phone calls coming up. Take a break. Uh, 21 after the hour, Dan Patrick's show. You check things all the time, email, your Instagram, but what about checking something as important as your credit? Discover makes it quick and easy. Best of all, it's free. Discover's now offering FICO credit scores, the score used by 90% of top lenders, and they do it for free, even if you're not a customer. Checking your score won't hurt your credit, and you can check each month for changes. The Discover credit scorecard, it's free for everyone. Learn more at discover.com slash credit scorecard. That's discover.com slash credit scorecard. Limitations apply. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. I saw where it felt like golf was moving closer towards coming back, and then I saw where we may have golf, hopefully have golf, in the beginning of June as we welcome the commissioner. Commissioner, how are you?
6: Dan, it's great to hear your voice, and uh, it's it's uh, we're hanging in there. Where are you right now? I am I am at TPC Sawgrass, making this phone call from uh, the Players Championship Media Center.
0: Uh, take me back to the Players Championship because you played that opening round. What went into that? Dis- how much discussion did you have before the players?
6: You know, we had. Um, we, we had started to – we've got a crisis, man, crisis management t- team that uh, has, that, we, that meets weekly that had been meeting on, on this subject over really the two prior weeks. And we started to talk about the potential impacts. But candidly, Dan, we were thinking it was further down the road. Okay. And we came into the week – uh, we, we began our practice rounds and on Wednesday, the eve you know of our first round, I came out of a reception that we were hosting. I looked at my phone and the NBA had uh, had postponed their season. And so we went into a period really of, of 30 hours where we made the decision one to play Friday without fans um, and then ultimately decided on Thursday night late that just based on you know the rapid, Escalation of this coronavirus that we needed to cancel for the safety of our players and our fans.
0: What is the game plan now as we target the first week in June at Colonial?
6: The game plan is to continue to spend a lot of time uh, on our to make certain that we're creating the you know safest, most responsible environment for our players. We've announced that we're going to play without spectators. Uh, we need to refine our testing system, our testing protocols again, to ensure that safety. We're looking at every single movement and interaction to create the safest environments for players, caddies, and uh, media members that will be broadcasting the event and other key constituents, uh, and continue to really look, Dan, at what's happening in that marketplace. So work with local, city, state officials, make sure that everything that we're doing is validated and supported, uh, and that as we get closer and closer that, we're in position to execute the event, but we're, you know, we recognize that we're also operating in a world of uncertainty. So, you know, looking at all the different scenarios that can play out um, and and how we're going to respond and handle to them, handle them. But for us, we felt like, you know, our sport does lend itself very well to social distancing. Mm -hmm. We think this is the right approach to come back. Um, And at the same time, you know, we, we felt it was important to be able to, Show, show our players and our fans what the schedule would be through the end of the year, uh, assuming that we can get the right systems in place.
0: How much conversation have you had with the president of the United States on this?
6: Uh, we've had, I've had, I actually had conversations during the week of the players as we were deciding what we were going to do right then and there. And I was fortunate alongside a number of other leaders in our industry to be invited to, A conference call a couple weekends ago and then to uh, this committee that he's formed on the reemergence revitalization of our country a committee of of sports leaders and it's an honor to be on it and it's it's also wonderful Dan you cover so many sports have done so brilliantly over your career there aren't too many times when when our industry comes together to to tackle and to problem you know to problem solve and that's one of the things that we're doing across leagues across leadership and to have the support of our government right now is incredibly helpful.
0: What would change that time frame? June uh, in, uh, in, uh, Texas?
6: You know, I, I think, I think, um, you know, you just look at what happens on the ground there. So it, it really depends on where we are, you know, with cases, well, that event is in Fort Worth in particular and, and where we are with the virus in that marketplace, where we are, you know, across the country where we are with testing. We need, well, we're going to be reliant on uh, large scale and rapid response testing. And we feel like we're going to be able to administer a program. It's going to, that, that will allow us to ensure to the greatest degree possible, a safe and responsible environment. But we're going to need, you know, we're going to need the support of everybody on the ground in that marketplace. And we're going to need to know that we're comfortable that, um, for those that are on property that we feel like we've created the safe environment that we intend to.
0: The first thing I thought of was you have an international field. Your stars are all over the world to get them to be coming back to the United States. I don't know how many of these players are, are outside of the country. And then to fly back in, what, what kind of hurdles uh, are you looking at with getting everybody to be in one city at, at the same time?
6: Well, well. To that point, we have 93 players from 28 countries, and we have been in close contact with all of our athletes uh, since we left the Players Championship. Right now, we believe we have 25 players that are outside the U.S. Uh, in roughly 35 caddies. So, you know, we're going to have to make certain that we're doing everything we can, you know, everything we can to be of help to them as they seek to come back and continue to monitor travel restrictions border closures and other things that, that will be a consideration for them as they look to return. You know, the beauty is that if we're able to play under this schedule, uh, our players can't play every single week. Um, so, you know, we've announced a schedule that takes us through the end of this FedEx Cup season, Labor Day weekend, and, and all the way up through, through December. So we're, we're hopeful based on what we're hearing that we'll be able to be, you know, to get our players back here and give them enough time to prepare. Uh, particularly those that are seeking to return the week of the Charles Schwab challenge.
0: I did say to Bubba Watson yesterday, I said, why don't you guys carry your own bags? So we don't even have caddies out there. Mm -hmm. What do you
6: think? What did did Bubba say?
0: Well, he was okay, but I think he needs help reading putts and things like that. It sounded like. (laughs) (laughs)
6: Listen, I I think, I think uh, the role that our caddies play, you know, caddies are essential as it relates to the competitive performance of players. and, And, uh, and 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 we we feel like we can create the the right environment for the player caddy relationship when we return but your point your point is i think it really hits on the exercise that we're going through literally looking at every single movement that a player and a caddy has from the moment that they land you know in that you know at that airport to the moment that they leave and really thinking through what are the steps that we can take to create the safest, most responsible environment? You really can't leave anything for chance when you have this amount of uncertainty in front of us.
0: Commissioner, it's good to talk to you. Hope you're well, and uh, hopefully we get
6: golf back here soon. Dan, always great to talk to you. Thanks for the great work you and the team do.
0: Thank you. That's uh, Jay Monahan, PGA Tour Commissioner. And included the team. Attaboy. Yeah, but I think that's because... Seaton's wife knows the commissioner. Where they did they go to high school? They, they, I, yeah, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. So I think that's what he's really saying, "Hey, Aaron's husband, <laughs> Seaton O'Connor, is what that's really." That's all right. Get the group involved, though. Yeah, I'm all about it. Yeah, I'm not as much, but yeah, that's good. Get the get the, <laughs> get the team here. All it takes is one person. That's why this is so tenuous. One person tests positive, then all of a sudden. You go back to square one. If you have baseball, somebody tests positive. I know you're going to, everybody's going to have testing there and by that time and all that stuff. It's just one person tests positive. And it's a house of cards here. I'd love to have golf back. No spectators. I'd make the players carry their own bags. I'd have robotic cameras out there. You know, another thing who's going to grab, you know, you grab the flag. Who's grabbing the the flag to take it out and then are you do you have to wear gloves like there's it's small little things that you don't even think of when you play golf. Yeah, McLovin.
2: You know, I felt a little more confident after hearing him. It sounded like he had at least a common sense plan, not that it's going to work, but did it, I kind of bought a little bit of it. At least felt hope. Oh, I want to have hope here, but I also
0: deal in reality. And that that's why I just want to make sure other things in the world are safe. Before I go, man, I could really use some live sports. I'm gonna watch the is the, the WNBA draft is that this weekend? Is that tonight? I think it's tonight. Okay. I I'm gonna watch that. I'm gonna watch Bosch. Uh you know, I think it's season six of Bosch coming back. But uh I think I'm watching the WNBA draft tonight to see my girl, Sabrina Ionescu, go to the uh the New York team. What are they called?
2: The Liberty? Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes McLaan.
2: I woke up this morning. all of Twitter was excitement for Bosch. There are so many fans who are fired up for tonight. Are you gonna watch it all at once or is Bosch is like old school detective in Los Angeles
0: and uh, I think it's Titus Welliver is the star and he's really good. There's some really good characters on there. Uh, his partner, Jerry is from uh, uh, the Wire. I don't I don't know what role he played in The Wire but uh, he he's there it's it's a really good show. I think it's it's sneaky good. Uh but if you want to give that a chance and uh check out Bosch, yeah, Paul.
3: Jamie Hector plays Jerry Egger. Yeah. In Bosch he was a uh, Marlo in The Wire. Okay. Last few seasons of The Wire he was a drug kingpin. Yeah. You want no part of Marlo.
0: Well, there are a lot of people you didn't want a part of in yeah. The Wire. Mar- Marlo's crew tough. Yeah. Uh, Brandon in Ohio is the big winner. He had 55% of the vote. He uh, won the Meat Madness. He uh, gave us the Biggie song, did a wonderful job with that, and uh, we'll get a Traeger girl out to him. We had over 2 million votes in the uh, Meat Madness. Thank you for all those who took part. And the competition was stiff because we had eight seeds that were taking out number one seeds. Really, really wonderful. And I think next year, Seaton's idea, so blame him, original songs. Maybe we have artists who come up with original songs, like singer-songwriters, the way it used to be.
6: Yeah, Seaton. And there's no saying that the original song has to be good. I mean, some are going to be better than others, but we could take the bad ones just as well as as much as we could take the good ones. Yeah, but just it's original this next time.
0: Yeah, sometimes it's better if it's bad. But, but that's next year. That's that's next year. I got a, a, another competition coming up. Uh, maybe it's next week, if not a week after that, that I think will be uh, very interesting for you and uh, have that for you. Uh, hopefully next week, if not the week after that. Meet Friday. Uh, welcome to the Traeger Hood by Select Grills between now and April 26th. Get a grill cover, two bags of pellets free. Go to traegergirls.com slash show or visit a participating dealer to get yours today. Let me go to Kyle in New Hampshire. Hi, Kyle.
5: Dan, it's good to talk to you.
0: Hi, Kyle. What's on your mind?
5: 510-210. So listen, I've been uh, watching NBA religiously for about 30 years, so I don't have quite the, uh, uh, the resume that you do. Uh, but I am fascinated by the, the GOAT debate, and uh, I got a bone to pick with you first, <laughs> and then a quick bone to pick with Isaiah.
0: All right. start with you. Okay. I'll start with you. Uh-huh. All right. All
5: right. You made the comment that you think LeBron can score in a wider variety of ways than Jordan, and I got to tell you, man, that's just crazy talk. I'm not saying LeBron doesn't have a nice repertoire, but when it comes to shot-making, And the repertoire that Jordan had, I would just ask that you go back and sort of refresh your memory on YouTube because there's plenty of material there for you to do so.
0: Well, Mike wasn't a deep shooter. Mike wasn't a deep shooter. Mike was a mid-range jumper. But
5: there's a misconception that LeBron is a significantly better outside shooter when he's about a 34 career percent uh, three-point shooter. Jordan shot 32 for his career.
0: Yeah, but I'm talking about so, volume. I'm talking about that ability to do that. LeBron, LeBron can do. He can play center and point guard. Yes, absolutely. He can play
5: it but offensively in terms of and defensively. Variety of scoring moves, Dan, which is which was the implication. Variety of ways you could put the ball in the basket. No. Let's be honest about it. LeBron's primary move his whole career has been putting his head down and barreling to the lane. And there's no shame in that. It's a great move. It's effective. But in terms of variety, you got to go back and take a look at Mike on YouTube because it's not even close.
0: I think you're so underrating what LeBron James has done. I, I do. I, I Look, Jordan is spectacular. But, you know, his ability on offense is better than Michael's because if I also factor in passing the ball, he's a better offensive weapon from the ability of making people better. Jordan didn't make people better unless he, you know, was browbeating them. When you say that's fair, making repertoire. What I think that's fair,
5: yeah, but okay. if it's strictly for shot making repertoire, it's Mike all day, and it's not even close.
0: Well, I'll, I'll disagree because I think that when we factor it off, and thanks for the phone call, Kyle. I could tell where Kyle was leading up to something where he was going to say something nice, and then he was going to say something that wasn't. I've been in this business long enough to know that here, 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 here there it is. There it is. Hey, I'm a big fan, and blah 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 blah. But I'm going to have a bone to pick with you. I I, I just think LeBron is underrated with people because there is a negativity attached to him. For some reason, no negativity to Michael Jordan. When's the last time somebody, you know, had something negative to say about Mike? Oh, wait. LeBron, every single game. Every single game. Nobody criticized Mike. Yes, he... To be fair, though, Michael Jordan never missed a shot. That's true. So. You're right. It was tough to criticize him in those moments. You're right. You're right. Yeah, Paul.
3: Never missed a shot in the playoffs. I heard he missed some in the regular <laughs> season, just to be
0: fair. If I just said offensive weapon, LeBron's going to be probably the all-time leading scorer. So you can't say, boy, the guy can't score. He, and he's got one move. So a guy with one move might be the all-time leading scorer in the history of the game. Hmm. Imagine if he had like a second move how many he would have scored. How great is, is LeBron on the break? Yes, McLovin. Didn't Kareem only have one move? Not to be mean. Yes. I think Kareem's underrated too. We forget, he's the most unstoppable guy in the history of basketball. He is. And I know that Mike didn't shoot as many threes. He's got half as many, a third as many three-pointers as LeBron does. But, you know, back then you weren't shooting threes. Now, did Michael have a better-looking shot? Yes, he did. But I, I think we underrate LeBron. We do. Because everything Mike did was the best that anybody's ever done, apparently. And LeBron? Yeah, but he's not Mike. Yeah, but he's not Magic. Yeah, but he's not Kobe. He's not, he's not, he's not, he's not. Take a break. It's time for us to have some French dip on the Traeger Grill. Send you into the weekend after this. Thanks for listening to The Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at youtube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. I don't want to say this French dip is great, but this French dip that we just put on the Traeger grill earlier today
3: is great. Paulie, how's your French dip? I'm actually holding on to it until I could really, you know, get into it. Elbows on the table, Mm. a little privacy, because it's going to be a mess.
0: Uh, What are you guys having at uh, your uh, houses? Todd, what are you having today for lunch?
4: I have a salami sandwich on an onion roll waiting for me. It does not sound quite as exciting as what you guys got going
2: on. What about you, McLovin? Chicken soup out of a can. Okay. (laughs) All right.
0: What about you, Seton? Uh, I'm hearing word of some type of tuna fish situation. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this this uh, French dip is really good. It's really good. It's really good. Did I did I mention it was really good that we All made right. on the Traeger grill? Really good. Good. It's a good way to go into the weekend. A little French dip there.
3: This day in sports history. What do you have for me? Paul? 1945. A man named Pete Gray made his major league debut of baseball with the St. Louis Browns. One th- one arm. Age 30. Yes, Dan. He had one arm. Pete Gray. So at age 30, he made his major league debut as a six-year-old in Pennsylvania. He lost his arm in a wagon accident, mm-hmm. and his he was right-handed. Lost his right arm. Learned how to play left-handed. Uh, tried to join the army at one point in his life. They wouldn't let him in. He played minor league baseball. Bounced around. and finally finished his career by playing half a season with the St. Louis Browns and hit 218 with one arm. And what Jordan hit? Come
0: on! No, oh, no, my bad. Too soon. No, it's my bad. All right, it's my bad. It's called it's a callback. It's, it's, it's my bad. Full circle. Yeah, it's my bad. All right. I'm standing up for all the others since this is going to be Michael Jordan's month here you know, with the documentary. All right. Is that it? That's it. That's it That's for this day
3: one. in sports history? Pete Gray, one arm.
0: All right. We also had Mike Schmidt hit four home runs on this day. Mickey Mantle, uh, what did he do on this day,
4: Todd? Mickey Mantle's first game. And I was oh, okay. I was corrected by social media that he initially wore number six. And then we know him as number seven. So technically, you know, I guess for that, at least that first game for a little while, he was number six. So,
0: Isn't I'm that in uh, that. in the Billy Crystal 61 movie?
4: I think you're Don't right. Don't they so talk I about that? Seven and 20, but for that particular date, it's really six and 20.
0: But I I'm also think, you know, Pete Maravich came into the NBA and I think he was 44 in college. He was 19. That was his number, I think, when he first got there. Then I think he might have gone 44 and then seven, but he changed his number around uh, a little bit there.
2: Final results of the poll question, McLevin. Okay, I'll give, give you as the last place favorite, uh, Danette City food. Minus oh. 4% said pork roll in New Jersey. Pork, <laughs> pork, <laughs> pork, <laughs> pork roll. Pork, pork, pork.
0: pork off. Pork. pork off. Oh, by the way, the new cartoon, the animations we've been doing have to do with Fritzy's. <laughs> No. Pork off. Sausage off. Sausage Excellent. off. Hawk. off. Sausage off. Of that. Yeah. Sausage <laughs> off. Hawk. Sausage off. I was going to say. <laughs> that's so that's actually become my favorite oh, part know. of it. <laughs> because you know what's right around the corner. Uh, uh, what did you learn on today's program, Todd? Craig Kilborn had
4: deep range on the basketball court. He played at Montana State. Yep. Yep.
0: Yeah, yeah, he was good. He was a good player. Uh, McLevin, what did you learn?
2: Apparently, Isaiah is not going to like this documentary.
0: Yeah, doesn't, doesn't look like that. Seton O'Connor. Uh, in case you are interested in educating yourself on the greatness of Michael Jordan, go to YouTube. And yeah. uh, catch up on some highlights. And I could catch up on all of his uh, his plays, <laughs> all of his offensive moves. Paulie, what would you learn?
3: As much as I want to watch the Michael Jordan documentary, I'd rather watch Isaiah Thomas watching the Michael Jordan documentary. <laughs> <laughs>
4: what did I learn, Todd? You learned and still remember Stuart Scott extremely competitive yeah. He'd have his forearm out and put the full court press on you.
0: Get some more information on that Tom Brady jersey sales okay. Okay, over the weekend.
4: Have your French dip over.
0: Uh, there. What we learned brought to you by LegalZoom. They take care of your estate plan without you leaving your home. Learn more at LegalZoom. Dot .com be safe be smart talk to you monday